One thing that I've come to recognize over these uh, past eight years of my priesthood is that families are just messy. My family is messy and, and broken, and your family is messy and broken, and so is everyone else's family. Uh, as a priest, I'm invited to spend time with a lot of families. And on, on one occasion, a number of years ago, I remember I was with a family, and, and there was a lot of joys that they were sharing. Uh, but when they got to a particular family member, uh, there was a lot of sorrows that they shared. And that's, that's, that's normal, that's common. And they were angry at some of the things that this particular family member had done. And anger is not a sin. Anger is an emotion. To feel anger means you're human and you're healthy. And so it's a good thing to to experience anger and happiness and joy and sadness. All all that's that's good and healthy. But I noticed that as they began to talk about this particular family member, it wasn't anger that they were expressing. It was wrath. Uh, Because they wanted this person to burn in hell. And this was a particularly Catholic family. Like they were Catholic. They, they went to Mass. They were in Bible studies. They, they prayed. And I, I said, you know, you can't want someone to go to, go to hell. And that, that's, that's not what we can want as a disciple of, of Jesus. Yeah, we can be mad at people. We can dislike people. We can put up boundaries to where we don't ever have to see people or talk to them. And that's totally fine. But we can't condemn people to hell. We can't say they should burn in hell. That's wrath, and and that's a serious sin. If you don't forgive this person in your family, God will not forgive you. This is just the Bible. It's the Word of God. The Lord says, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. So so if if you want to be a saint, and I know you do, I can tell, then you have to forgive. And to forgive does not mean you forget. To forgive does not mean that you're going to reconcile with them. To forgive does not mean you're going to like them. To forgive simply means that you're going to pray for them to get to heaven. Even if that means that you're going to keep a distance from them for the rest of your lives, you must pray for their salvation. And this family, when I said that, they got upset with me. They got mad. How dare you tell us we need to forgive this person? How dare you tell us we need to forgive? We will not forgive. And I said, well, it's the word of God. And I tried to explain to them, it comes from the scriptures. This is what Jesus invites all of us to do. And I know it's difficult. I have people in my life who really wounded me, but I don't like some people. There are some people in my life who I have put up boundaries and I will not speak to them ever again. But I pray for their salvation. And that's what the Lord is inviting you to. No, you can't tell us to do that, Father Josh. That's ridiculous. You're asking that. That's wrong. You're wrong. You are wrong. They began to to fuss at me, and and there came a point in the conversation where I realized that we weren't getting anywhere, and I I just had to walk away. What I experienced is not unique to me. This is is what happened to to many of the saints throughout our church's history, but also it's what, what happened to our Savior, Jesus Christ. In today's gospel, John chapter 10, he says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They know me. My Father has given them to me. But then he says this. He says, The Father and I are one. And when he says this, what we didn't read in today's gospel is what happened next. The very next thing that happens after Jesus says that the Father and I are one, it says this, the Jews then took up stones to stone him. They were upset. How dare you say you and the Father are one? And so Jesus tried to have a conversation with them. 
he tried to engage them in a dialogue. And he began to tell them about this, but they didn't want to hear it. And they tried to attack him and they tried to arrest him. So finally, Jesus just walked away. But he didn't just walk away and say, okay, I'm going to walk away and be done with the conversation and, and just do nothing. Because if we just walk away, we might begin to, like, to dwell on the conversation and how, no, maybe they misunderstood me or, or, or they weren't very charitable with me. Or, or why are they rejecting me now or accusing me now and condemning me now? Why, why don't they want to? And we could go through this, this terrible process in our minds. He didn't just walk away. The gospel goes on to tell us what Jesus did. So, so Jesus walks away from them, and it says, He went away across the Jordan to the place where John first baptized. And there he remained. He remained there. He went to the place where he heard God the Father speak and say, You are my beloved Son, and I am pleased with you, Jesus. I delight in you. Why would he go there? Because this group of people who he had spent time with, who he was engaging them in a conversation, they did not delight in him. They did not want him. They did not respect him. They did not understand him. They cursed him. They mocked him. They attacked him. And the father loved him. And so instead of focusing his attention on all those negative voices that were probably very loud, he listened again to the father. Where the Father said, the Father said he delights in me. I'm going to cling to that. I'm going to hold on to the truth that, you know what? Not everybody's going to like me. Not everybody's going to accept me. But the Father not only likes me, but he accepts me and he wants me and he loves me and he chooses me and he calls me by name. The Father delights in me. He remained there in prayer. So he, he left the conversation and he immersed himself in prayer. And then after he spent time in prayer with the Father who delighted in him still, he then went away and began to serve other people who were sick and suffering. His friends, Mary and Martha, they, they were grieving because their brother Lazarus had just passed away. And so he went to accompany them and then he worked a miracle and he, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He began to serve the sick and suffering. He, he focused all of his attention on other people who were also hurting. He didn't sit by himself and have a pity party. He didn't navel gaze and say, woe is me. Like, look at my, I, I'm trying to do God's work here. I'm just speaking the truth of God's word and, and people are rejecting me. And he didn't, no, he rooted himself in the Father's delight. And then he rooted himself in the suffering of other brothers and sisters in his community around him. And what he did 2,000 years ago is what we are invited to do today. Why? Because we are the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is supposed to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that which Jesus did yesterday, he invites us to do today. So when we're in conversations with our classmates or our coworkers or our neighbors or our friends or our family, our messy families, and they misunderstand what we say when we're just speaking the Word of God, it's important that we, at first, attempt to engage them in a dialogue. Right? Ask the Holy Spirit, God, please give me the gift of tongues so I can only say what you want me to say. God, I pray for them that they may have the gift of interpretation of tongues so they can only hear what you want them to hear and give the same to me and them as well so I can hear them well. And 
after you try to engage them, if it becomes accusatory, if people begin to just attack you as a person, then at some point you got to get up and just walk away. If you're on social media and people are blasting you, then put the phone down, turn the computer off and walk away. Just walk away. But don't walk away and do nothing because if you do that, you're going to begin to go into your head and your head is a very dangerous place. Yes, it's a place where a lot of grace can happen if you invite God there. But if you just go away by yourself, you start navel gazing and ruminating and dwelling on what could have been said or should have been said or would have been said. And then what's going to happen is you're going to get angry, frustrated, start brooding, become wrathful maybe. Right? So when we walk away, where we walk to, we walk to Jesus. We walk to the Father. We walk to the Lord's voice in prayer. Where do we encounter the Lord's voice? In Scripture. We go to our Bibles and we open up God's Word and we read God speak to us. What does God's Word say to us? Jesus Christ speaks to us in the Gospel of John. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. You know what? I don't know about y'all, but I want to focus more of my attention on that one verse than anything else that anyone in my life has ever said to me. And I've had people in my life say some really mean things, some really messed up things. But Jesus just said, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Jesus loves me the way the Father loves him. Like, that's, that's huge. His love is the only love that has ever fulfilled me. His love satisfies other people. They come and go. Our in-laws, they come and go. So the comments they make about us, like, are we really going to hang on to them and dwell on what they said or didn't say? Our kids' approval is going to change over time. Our parents are going to age. They're going to become different people as we get older. They're going to say things that are going to hurt us. Our siblings are going to betray us. Our friends are going to reject us. We're going to be wounded by people. We can, we can spend all of our time like, focusing all of our energy on those things from those finite people who will never be able to satisfy us, even if they were really, really good people. There's never been a saint in salvation history who had the capacity to ever fulfill another saint. Because our hearts have this infinite ache, there's an infinite longing, there's an infinite hunger, and no finite person, no matter how good they are, will ever be enough for us. And so I can't focus my attention on, on other people, and particularly other people's sins that they've done, right? That, that, that stuff will never bring me happiness or peace. Psalm 1 in the Old Testament says happiness comes from meditating on the Word of God day and night. Blessed is the person who meditates on the Word of God. It's in Psalm 1. Blessed is synonymous with happy. Happy is the person who meditates on God's Word. That's what Jesus went away and did. He didn't go away and meditate on their words, on their action. He meditated on the Father's words. Ah, that fills him up with peace. And it will fill us up with peace as well. So we go away and we meditate on God's Word. And then, after we spend time with God, He doesn't want us to be in a personal relationship with just Him. He wants us to be in a relationship with His body as well. And the reality is, is even though I've suffered a lot throughout my life, throughout my walk toward eternity, even though you've suffered a lot as well, and I don't know what you've been through, but I know that everyone here tonight has suffered something. We've all experienced measurable pain. Other people, though, in our community are also suffering right now, too. And so what do we do? We go out and we find them. We find other people 
who are wounded and who are broken and who are lonely and who are hurting, who are frail, who are sick, who are suffering. There are so many other brothers and sisters who need us, and if we focus on them, who are we not dwelling on? On ourselves and all of our stuff. We're pouring ourselves out for them who are in need. There's a place to focus on ourselves, and that's, that's in counseling. That's in spiritual direction, right? But we go to other people who are suffering to make a gift to them. Here in Baton Rouge, we have so many places and spaces that we can pour ourselves out to. We have, we have nursing homes with the elderly who many of them have been neglected by their children and by their grandchildren. And it would just mean the world to them if, if somebody, even a stranger, would show up one day and just sit with them for an hour. Just look at them. Acknowledge their human dignity. Pray with them and, and for them. We have so many people who are sick and in hospitals and are longing for Holy Communion. They're not able to come to Mass because of their illness and they could, they could really use the bread of life. And we, we have the capacity to bring Jesus to our brothers and sisters in the many hospitals that we have right here in Baton Rouge. There are many people who are hungry and who just want to be fed. And we have St. Vincent de Paul, we have uh, St. Agnes Soup Kitchen, we have all these, these soup kitchens for those who are hungry and homeless shelters and women's shelters for people who don't have a roof over their head that we can go and spend time with them. We have so many young girls in our diocese who are victims of human trafficking. And the hospital or Sisters of Mercy are serving them day and night. And those sisters need help. They need other people to accompany them and to assist them in walking with these girls who have been used and abused from the time they were some toddlers. There are so many other people in our community who are hurting, who we can go out of ourselves and serve, just like Jesus did in the gospel. If, if we can imitate our Lord Jesus Christ and respond to the messiness of our neighborhood and the messiness of our school and the messiness of our workplace environment and the messiness of our families the way he did, by walking away and walking to the Lord in prayer and serving other people, then we're going to be filled with His grace. And yes, we're still going to be persecuted. We're still going to be misunderstood. We're still going to be disliked by some people and gossiped about and whatever. But there will be a pervading peace that we will have because we will be obedient to the demands of discipleship. And if we can abide in this grace, in this place that we are in right now, then we can be a bridge for other people in our world to also abide in this grace of this relationship with God on earth. And if we and them can together abide in this relationship with the Lord now, then he will give us the particular unique graces that we will need to remain in relationship with him, not only while we are on earth, but most importantly forever in the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for listening. The ministry here at CTK is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, please visit ctklsu.org.